0: Uh, various things that we are going to go through in this life. Um, uh, and so the, here in First Peter, he reminds them again, uh, these suffering saints that he's writing to. Uh, he encourages them <coughs> by reminding them of their position in Christ and all of their blessings uh, that they have in the Lord Jesus. And comes down in chapter number 2, we are looking again where uh, he reminds them uh, that they are uh, pilgrims and that they uh, are should be um, strangers to this world, not to be rooted too deeply here, uh, not to have too much hope in the things that are seen, that's the things that are unseen uh, that you and I are looking to. And uh, it reminds us again that plainly, um, even those in Hebrews, that they had been mindful uh, of that country, they would have... Um, Uh, Returned, but they plainly said they seek another country and so that's you and me we are just the same walking in this world and um, he reminds them first thing number one in verse number 11 of first peter chapter number two that we are to be holy Uh, verse number 12 we're to be honest verse number 13 we're to be humble and then on down to verse number 17 we're to be honoring And so uh, whether you're suffering or not, those are good things to be doing. Uh, We're to be holy and honest and humble and give honor to people whether you're suffering or not. Uh, but there's extremely something to focus on when you're suffering. Um, you uh, have a tendency to be a whole lot less holy uh, when you're suffering persecution. Uh, I've seen people that are just as kind as they can be until you back them in a corner or they're reviled. Uh, they, <laughs> they will come out swinging. Uh, and so when you're suffering, you need to be extremely mindful to be holy uh, and take uh, heed unto yourself to um, not fulfill those uh, lusts, uh, and so he tells him, I beseech you therefore, brethren, abstain from fleshly lusts or war against the soul, uh, and to be honest, and then to be humble, it's hard to be humble in your suffering, uh, you know, and <clears throat> but anyhow, these are good things to be doing all the time, but especially during times of trials and suffering." And so uh, he reminds them of one of the most difficult things you're going to find when you're suffering at the hand of people, especially when you're innocent, as you're still supposed to honor people. And um, that is extremely difficult to do when they're the very ones hurting you. Uh, and, um, but Jesus left us an example to do that. We make an excuse for not doing it, but it's not excused in heaven. Uh, Jesus when he was reviled and it goes on and gives us our example in verse number 21 for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also Suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps And so we go on and see the example that has been left to us uh, of the savior suffering it was a sinless uh, suffering, a submissive suffering, a substitutionary suffering, and then we see it was a shepherd suffering. In verse number 24, uh, you go on down and see in verse 24 and 25 uh, that it was a shepherd suffering. And um, so it gives us the example. <clears throat> Of how we also should suffer. Uh, and he leaves us such a tremendous example uh, how to deal with suffering in this life. Uh, and um, then he's going to go on. So we've dealt with how to suffer and how to relate to those that are without. Uh, those that are in the world. And we go back and we look again at the previous verses. He's going to tell us um, how we're supposed to uh, act amongst the Gentiles. Having our conversation honest among the Gentiles uh, that uh, we may, they may glorify God on the day of visitation, uh, because of how you lived. And that we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, By the way, we're living through suffering. Uh, What an example that uh, many of you probably have somebody in your mind. I was thinking of Miss Mayton earlier today. Um, There's many saints in my mind, my own grandmother, that I think about. And one of their greatest testimonies uh, is not just that they're the kind of Christian that we want to be and that we strive to be, uh, but they do that through tremendous suffering Uh, And I never hear them complain. Never uh, really see them have a bad day in the sense of um, how it changes their behavior. Uh, They still love Jesus and love other people, but they're going through extreme suffering in their bodies. And, uh, and so it's such a great example um, that is uh, uh, left for us. Uh, but here in this shepherd's suffering, uh, it teaches us of how we are supposed to walk in this world as pilgrims. And so we deal with the Gentiles, and then we deal with our on the job. We deal with uh, how to relate to our master, uh, the servant and master relationship, uh, of how we are supposed to serve those on the job. And uh, that's a tremendous expectation, uh, and how it's not mentioned specifically, Specifically here, but it's also mentioned in other places of how the master should serve and be a leader uh, unto his servants, and so as one that will give an account unto God. So um, we have that uh, um, given to us here of how to relate to our government, how to relate to the Gentiles, uh, how we should walk amongst the uh, on our job and to our masters, and how we're to serve them as unto the Lord. And then we get down to chapter number three. We'll begin our reading in chapter number three. And we're going to see that um, the Lord's going to now deal, uh, as strangers and pilgrims, how to deal in the relationship of the home. And um, we left off here several services ago. And we're dealing with some things in the home and we'll probably come back and deal with some more as we surely won't get through a whole lot of it tonight. Um, there's such an expectation uh, because we know and it's been said and mentioned many times, so goes the home, so goes the churches. Uh, our churches are really a reflection of what our homes are and uh, we'll be no more spiritual here than we are at home. Um, if we're more spiritual here, it's fake. Uh, the reality is really what we are at home, and so as we are at the house, as we are in private, so are we here. And uh, the really the temperature the temperature of the church is really the home life. Um, I, I know, uh, the great, I'm not taking away from what Ravenhill, I believe said about the prayer meeting, um, is that th- I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying what our church really is spiritually, no matter what we have on, no matter what we, uh, look like on the outside, uh, we are really no better than we are at home. So we need to remember that he deals with that, um, here kind of last year, uh, but, um, uh, save the best for last. I suppose there's no rhyme or reason to to why he dealt with the Gentiles and those that are without and then into the home, uh, other than just the fact that that's the way it came out. Uh, So uh, we see in chapter number three, uh, he's going to begin to deal with those, the servant first and then the head, Uh, but he deals with the wife first uh, in verse number one, and then he'll go on to deal uh, with the husband in, in verse number seven. And he's going uh, to take a look at two particular things that we've already mentioned. Um, We're going to look at humility for the wife and honor for the husband. Uh, Remember back in verse number 13 of chapter 2, we see that we are to be humble. And he focuses in on on the humility part of the wife. And then in verse 17, we're to be honoring. So he takes those two and really focuses them in on the home. That doesn't mean we leave out the rest. Uh, But again, depending on your situation of where you are. And again, this is a situation in the home where you have somebody uh, that's disobedient. Obedient to the word of God. Now, that doesn't necessarily always mean that the husband is lost in verse number one, uh, but it certainly could apply to a husband that is lost in verse number one. But it could also be for a saved husband uh, that is just not obeying the word of God. Uh, just as it is if you go back in chapter two, the Gentiles, uh, the government, uh, all of those things are people that are without. How to deal with those that are rebellious to the word of God. The Gentiles don't obey the word of God. The government doesn't generally obey the word of God. Uh, and it talks about a master who is um, uh, froward, uh, a, a, a rebellious, uh, mean-spirited master. So uh, again, it puts the wife in a situation. Uh, she's in a situation with a husband that will not obey the word of God. And so it takes the, it takes a Uh, A picture from out here and focuses in on a particular situation uh, of how she is to deal in her home with a husband that will not obey the Bible. And so young ladies, if you find yourself in a situation uh, where your husband does not obey the word of God, he may be saved. And maybe uh, that is the case. It's not my, uh, I don't think it's talking either way here, but uh, I generally kind of think more that it's a, a lost husband husband. Uh, because it talks about him being one, but uh, uh, it can apply either way. Uh, but say you thought your husband was saved even, and you got married, and come to find out, uh, you know, a lot of times us men, will, you'll see the best of us before you get married. And then as you go on in life, the more you spend with your spouse, the more you'll know them. Uh, that's what Paul was alluding to, that I may know him, uh, that I may know him. And the more you spend time with someone, the more you you learn them. But anyhow, you may find yourself in a situation, uh, and I have seen homes that uh, have been in this situation. I've seen homes where uh, you've got a husband that um, uh, if the wife ever quit going to church, he's done. He only goes because of the wife. I've seen the exact opposite, uh, where you take the husband out of the equation and the wife never shows back up, has no relationship with God, only what her spouse has. And uh, so uh, you could find yourself in a situation uh, at any time in your marriage, Christian, and uh, in, in how I'm going to present these scriptures tonight. You may be saved, both of you, and your home may be born again, saved by the grace of God. Uh, but you could have a situation where you've got a husband uh, that, uh, uh, for whatever reason, just will not or uh, will not refuse to or struggles with obeying the word of God. And uh, so there's only one way uh, to handle that situation. And uh, there, the reason I believe he focuses in, uh, because look at, look at verse number one of chapter number three. Let me read it. And then I just want to mention a couple of things. Look at the first word that's mentioned in 1 Peter chapter three. It says likewise. Now we know that we are to go previously uh, and look at what has just been mentioned. Well, what has just been mentioned is the shepherd suffering, the suffering of the Savior, that example that has been left for us. And uh, I believe what it's honing in on particularly uh, is uh, verse number 23. He suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And so we look at this uh, humility and honor, you see both in that word commitment. And so when he committed himself, he honored the father and he also humbled himself because he was co-equal, co-eternal, just as much God as the father or the spirit is. Yet he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, uh, though he was Lord of everything, humbled himself uh, and became obedient, thought it not uh, robbery to be equal with God. All those things uh, there in those verses. So we see. See, the Bible says in beginning and talking about the wife, it says likewise. And we all know that great verse that says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And there's a great uh, emphasis put there because the husband's expectation in his love for the bride is the the expectation, the standard is set at how Christ loved his church. No higher standard could be set in our home for us husbands uh, than for us to love our wives as Christ loved his church. No greater love has any man than this. And uh, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us. Uh, And so this love that Christ Jesus had uh, and has now for his church uh, is the same kind of love that we should have towards our wife. And so it gives an example of Christ in our love for our wife. But here also, it is also an expectation, a standard, a bar is set for the wife to look to Christ at how Christ uh, has uh, submitted and committed himself uh, to the father and humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to the father. He showed himself nothing but obedient to the father's will Uh, and, uh, and, and sacrifices uh, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And, uh, and so, in those things, the father had no pleasure. Uh, It did not please him. It did not satisfy uh, the justice. Than the just demands of God. Uh, and so the Bible says, lo, I come. And in the volume of this book, it is written of me to do thy will. O God, that's Jesus. He came into this sin cursed world and completely committed himself completely uh, uh, abandoned his own will uh, to the will of the father as a man in the likeness of sinful flesh and humbled himself and became obedient to the will of the Father. And even down to the words that he spoke, you'll remember in the Gospels that he said, I don't speak of my own. Uh, the things that the Father has committed to me, the things the Father tells me to say, that's what I say. And he showed nothing but complete obedience to the will of God and to the laws of God and fulfilled the just, righteous demands of the law on your behalf. And so he left us a great example that how he was. Lord of everything. He humbled himself and willingly was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Said, lo, I come in the volume of this book to do thy will, O God. And though he is God, and so he gives us this example, wife, in your home, and he says, uh, look at what Jesus did. He was reviled. He did no sin. He suffered for you, leaving an example. Neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Uh, when uh, he was attacked, he didn't attack back. Uh, when he suffered, he didn't threaten and, and go on. And so it says, likewise, wife, to young ladies, it uh, calls." Causes you to go back and look at the example that has just been laid out, and what has just been said basically tells you this: when that husband that will not obey the word of God, especially if he's a Christian, he'll be very miserable and very difficult to deal with because he's got a conscience and he's got his spirit in himself condemning him, telling him you're not doing right, and so he'll be very difficult to deal with, very angry with others because of the dissatisfaction of himself and. Uh, Uh, I know maybe or maybe not, I've been there, I don't know, it's none of your business, Uh, but uh, no, uh, uh, he'll be very difficult to deal with, and you might have a situation uh, where he will revile you, and really, it's, it's a product of his own dissatisfaction. Uh, his own displeasure with himself and his failure uh, to, uh, to to do what he, uh, d- the desire of his heart is to please God, and he's not doing that. Now, I'm talking about a Christian first. And so, wife, he's just told you, look at your example. So, likewise... Wife, And so you go back and look. When you're reviled, you will never win in that situation. You'll never win the heart of your husband. The only hope for peace in your home is for the husband uh, to be in complete obedience to the will of God and obeying the word of God. That is the only hope, not for you to get your way. It's not saying so that he may be one to your way of thinking. Uh, So the point here is to get him to obey the Bible. And uh, so your job uh, in, in subjection, and we look at that word, is literally, uh, when you look at the verb, the two words put together to make that word for us, uh, to put under, put yourself under him, uh, bearing him up, not to be trampled upon, uh, uh, that's not what it's saying, but it's saying to obey, to put yourself under him, to bear him up, because the goal is to get that husband to obey the Bible. The goal is not to give you your best life now. The goal is not to get him to stop reviling you necessarily. Uh, the goal is not for you to stop suffering uh, and to have all the fairy tale, dreamy uh, white picket fence uh, a home that you once dreamed of when you watched I Love Lucy and all the different programs on television. Uh, the goal is to get that husband, the only hope for the home, uh, really to be in perfect uh, obedience to the will of God, for that home to be what it should be, is for that that husband to be in obedience to the will of God and to the word of God. And so if you're going to help him, and that's the eyes you have to have. See, that's what Jesus got through the cross, the suffering uh, that he had for the joy that was set before him. Uh, That's what got him through the reviling, the shame, the suffering. All that he got through was looking on to the eternal, to the unseen. And you're going to have to look at your situation in your home with your husband in a spirit spiritual manner. You're going to have to look at it more spiritual. You've got to stop looking at it selfishly and look at your home spiritually. Uh, the goal is not for you to have peace and for you to have joy, for you to be happy, for you to have a husband to do everything that you want and that what, what satisfies you. Uh, the goal is to have a home and a husband that completely will satisfy and please and glorify God. And so when you look at the situation, it can't be, I want him to, The word of God. I want my husband uh, to be a spiritual man, to obey the word of God in this situation. Uh, uh, It can't be uh, uh, this uh, selfish thinking. It's got to be I want to see my home glorify God, and the only chance I have at that is for me to help my husband get under the power and the influence and the obedience to the Bible. And so the only hope you have of doing that is not reviling him, is not threatening him. Isn't that what? just said when Jesus was reviled he did not revile again ma'am. Uh, uh, now if you don't like this and you're the woman's live and woman empowerment and uh, you think so highly of yourself I have nothing to help you with tonight because I don't find you in the Bible uh, and so I have no way to help you. The only way that I can help a person is to take the Bible and get them to obey the Bible. So if he won't obey the word of God uh, it, all hope is not lost. If you will, there's a chance. There is hope if you'll obey the Bible. So don't attack him for not obeying the word when you won't obey the word and do what the word's instructing you to do. Now I realize that this is very easy for me to preach tonight, uh, but uh, uh, it's often difficult to walk in, but it is not impossible. We can have homes that are happy, homes that are joyful, homes that are uh, uh, pleasurable to be a part of. Uh, home ought to be a happy place. It ought to be a spiritual place, a joyful place. And uh, the relationship in a husband and a wife ought to be one of great joy and contentment. That's why he compares it to the Christ head of the body. The church being the body is like the wife is to the head. So is Christ to the church. So the church is to Christ. And so as that husband is the head and he is at the the head over you, uh, so are you to him. And that same spiritual relationship that we have with Christ Jesus and the body of Christ. And so he says in verse number one of chapter number three, I, I have just seen women so uh, upset. And I'll use a personal example here. I could count on one hand how many times my wife has ever done this. Uh, most of the time, we would have been uh, when I was a lost man, uh, but never, uh, can I just let you in on a little secret? Uh, most men, ma'am, will never be one with your smart mouth. Uh, it will never, you will never win. Uh, you will never, uh, if your goal to win is to get him to be the best he can be for God, uh, uh, that's generally not the case. But if that is what you really want, ma'am, the only hope you have to help your husband to get there. Uh, is not to belittle him, not to criticize him, not to make him feel less of a man or less of a a Christian. Uh, The only hope that you have uh, is to put yourself in subjection under him, to get underneath him and bear up that load by obeying what you're told to do when he is reviling, when he is making you suffer. You don't threaten him with, uh, I'm about tired of this. I'm not going to put up with this any longer. Uh, 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 or revile him back when he says something cruel to you. Uh, You're not going to win in the situation and have a home to glorify God when you've got a reviler and a reviler and one suffering and one threatening. Uh, Somebody's got to give in and obey the Bible. Uh, So you're not going to get anywhere in the marriage if both of you are stubborn uh, like two mules and nobody's going to obey the Bible. Somebody's got to be willing to have enough God. God in them uh, to just obey what the Word of God says. And the Word of God does not say for you uh, to have a husband that does not do uh, according to the Word of God, uh, for you to belittle him and to tell him, you know, how little of a Christian he is and how no good he is and, and uh, uh, how you should have done this or that and uh, why can't you be like so-and-so and all those various things. That will never win the heart of your husband. Uh, uh, I can tell you uh, from experience, there's been very, very few few time, I could count them on uh, just a few fingers uh, that my wife has ever done anything like that, gotten upset with me to the point uh, that she may have uh, said some things out of the way to me or something. Uh, and every single time she's ever done that, it's turned my heart the other way. It's never wanted me. Uh, and this is the verse I cling to because this is what helped win me to God. Now I was a lost man, disobedient to the Bible, uh, but I saw a gentleness and a meekness and some. In my wife that caused me in her obedience to the word of God, she had something I did not have. And it bore witness to me that I could be one without the word. Now it's not saying nobody is one to Christ without the preaching of the gospel. Nobody's one without ever hearing the word. That's not what it's saying. But if he's finding it very difficult on his own to obey the Bible, you can be a help to him. You can help him to get in line with the Word of God. You want to take great pride in that. Uh, with Him being the head, you can control so much by how you respond uh, to the deficiencies that you see in your significant other. Uh, the, the, the things you see in your spouse, we see the worst of each other. Uh, uh, and, and, and God intended it to be that way. And so uh, that's why it's so critical, you young people, to find somebody that loves Jesus more than anything else, uh, because you're going to get in a situation in your life that you're going to want your spouse to, to want you to be the best you can be for God. And at any time that gets skewed or that gets lost in the background and it becomes that person's best interest at hand, your marriage is in trouble, you're going to be miserable. Both parties have to have the same mind. And he ends these scriptures, uh, finally, brethren, be all of one mind. Uh, we all ought to have the same mind. I want my wife the 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 christian best part of me wants my wife to be all she can be for the glory of god and the best part of my wife the born again saved by the grace of god a uh, part of my wife she wants me to be all that i can be for god and uh, you've got to have that in the home oh you're not going to make it uh, you've got well, i'm not going to say you're not going to make it i know marriages that make it till death do them part uh, but i mean make it like like you want to make it win, like you want to win. Have the home like you want to have. Have the peace like you want to have it. Uh, uh, our, our marriages, our homes should be at peace. And uh, our children lose a lot of confidence in God. They lose a lot of confidence in the Bible, and they lose a lot of confidence in God's church when they see things in public view uh, that are not the reality of what it is at home. I think everybody accepts a degree of hypocrisy. Uh, We're all put on our best a little bit when we come to the house of God, and I appreciate that, Uh, but when there is such blatant uh, uh, husbands and wives screaming and cussing each other at home, and then come to church crying about loving Jesus. Our young people are not stupid. They understand enough to know there's no reality in that. And it's not going to attract them to Jesus. Uh, they've got to see a mother and a dad because that's the picture in relation to them, just like it is in the Bible. There's a relationship of a person can have with Jesus as the head is to the body. And so that's the way they are going to see things, and the home has got to be at peace. I don't know if there's anything more important in our day uh, than to get men and women in their homes, moms and dads, not the young people, uh, but moms and dads that claim to know God, to get them to a place where they'll obey the Bible and get some peace in their home uh, so their children can have some confidence and peace in the things of God. And so if you're not, if you just refuse and you're going to be selfish and you're a wife that has a husband that won't obey the word of God, you're going to continue to be miserable. You will never find satisfaction action, contentment, or peace in your home uh, until uh, you get to the place where you begin to look at things properly, uh, uh, begin to be a help meet to your husband, uh, not for selfish reasons, but for the glory of God. And at whatever cost to me, God, remember remember the example. Please remember the example, ma'am. When you're looking at your situation, please remember your example. At any cost to Jesus Christ, he was willing to bring glory and honor to his father at whatever cost to himself. And so at the same time, that is your expectation. Uh, At any cost to yourself, you've got to commit yourself to that husband. You have got to bring yourself where you want to bring uh, honor and glory to the Lord Uh, by lifting your husband up and helping him be all he can be for God. And you've got to start seeing, we've got to change, a renewing of our mind and get our minds out of this uh, uh, way we see things and begin to see the home and the spiritual light that God wants it to be seen in. He wants us to be at peace with one another, yes, but he certainly wants it to be in the home and we are not gonna have it until we start seeing that that wife is a gift from God that we are to bring honor to sir and that husband has been placed over you as the head of the body and as the head of the home so is the wife subject to her own husband and until you see the glory and the wonder and the beauty and the peace to be had uh, at relinquishing your will and the desire to have what is best for you and begin to see what is best for your husband. Is that not what Christ did? Lo I come not to do my will, though understanding that his will, he was God, Uh, but think of him as he was a man. He did not come to fulfill His will. I came to do the will of my Father. I have meat to eat that you know not of. It's going to cost me my life. I'm going to be shamed on the cross. I'm going to be stripped naked for things I never did wrong. I'm going to be beaten, persecuted, forsaken of everybody. No matter what it costs me, I am going to Calvary, and I am going to glorify and honor my Father, which is in heaven, and so that the world may know that I am and my father are one. And so you've got to see uh, that you and your husband are one and you want to do all that you can to help him to be, bring glory to your home. Uh, the only hope that you've got is found right here in verse number one. Likewise, uh, you wives, likewise suffer, go through those things without reviling again. And you say, well, it's not fair. Uh, I'm not going to, I find this all the time in marriages. You've got somebody that won't do right, and then you got the other one won't do right. Well, I'm not going to start submitting myself to you until you start obeying the Bible. That is not what is said here in verse number one. That may make you feel better about the situation, but that is not what God instructs you to do to bring peace in your home. What he said for you to do, you may not control in the end whether that man will ever obey what you want him to, or what you see biblically that he should, and that he probably sees that he should be doing. Uh, you may never be able to control that. But what you can do, the only hope you have uh, is for you to put yourself and bring yourself into subjection and a meek and gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, let it be that hidden person that shines out. That will attract him. That will bring more, that uh, will bring more, that will bring more uh, that will bring more, uh desire out of your husband's heart to do right when you just willingly uh, submit yourself and love him and support him and say, look, I know you're not, uh, uh, you know, you're dissatisfied with yourself. I know you're not, uh, and you support him, but I'm with you till death do us part. I made a promise. I'm behind you. I'm for you. I'm with you. And that you just humble yourself and put yourself in the subjection of that husband and help him to see you're under him. Uh, of uh, 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 holding him up, as it were, and supporting him in what he's doing and trying to do in his life for God, and so you've got to have that kind of way. It will never work any other way, man. You can uh, you can stomp your feet and say it's not fair if you want to. It wasn't fair that Jesus died for your filthy sins either. And you can stomp your feet and say I could have had it better if I'd have married somebody else, and Jesus could have had a better son or a daughter if he would have saved somebody else other than you, maybe. If that's the way you want to look at it, uh, you can't look at, at your relationship that way. It will never, it will never come to the place that you want it to until you're willing to just do what this Bible says and be obedient to bring glory and honor to God at any cost to yourself uh, and for the sake of your husband. Uh, that is the example that is being left here. Jesus has betrayed himself for what is the will of God for the father's sake at any calls to me, I am going to do what my father told me to do. I am going to speak the things that he wants me to speak. He is, I am going to submit myself uh, unto him, leaving you example, uh, so that when he was reviled, reviled, not again, threatened, not when he suffered, committed himself to him that judges righteously, who in his own body bore your sins on the tree, being dead, we should live to righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You are as sheep going astray. Ma'am, you've not always obeyed the Bible. You've not always done what's right either, if you'd be honest. And so you can attack your husband. You can belittle him and revile him if you want to, but you will never see him come around. You will never play a part in him obeying the Bible until you get to the place where you're willing to humble yourself and become obedient and put yourself into subjection and have a meek and gentle, quiet spirit and try to. To be a help to your husband and not attack him. You have got to get some, some biblical views of your situation beyond what's best for you. It's got to be what's best for your husband. That is the only way that the home will work. Now, I am not for. Now, understand something, and I've about spent too much time here, but understand in this expectation Uh, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Uh, 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 Be in subjection to your own husbands. If it's tempered previously in verse chapter 2, remember we dealt with being obedient to governors uh, or to the king as supreme And we went through those verses and uh, we talked about how Peter and Daniel and, and those in the scriptures that were obedient until they were instructed to do things that crossed the word of God. Then, like Peter said, should we obey men or should we obey God? I am not saying that you subject yourself to sinful things. I'm not suggesting that you subject yourself and be obedient to a husband that wants to quit God and quit church and, and do things that are ungodly and have you drink and party and run around and all of those things. If you have a husband that's in that situation, I'm not suggesting that you should obey a man beyond when they instruct you to do things that encrosses the word of God. I am never suggesting that if the subjection of me and you to governor is tempered by the Bible. I also believe that a wife's expectation to submit to her husband must be tempered by the Bible. No one would suggest a husband, a wife uh, keep her children in an abusive relationship. Uh, I've seen women have guns put in their mouths and their children beat and mistreated physically and sexually. And no way in this world do I think there's a God in heaven uh, that would tell a woman to just humbly submit to that and it all going to work out in the end. You are crazy. If you think I believe that uh, it's got to be tempered by the Bible, uh, but I'm talking about the areas in life in which he won't obey the word of God. Uh, and, uh, your expectation is to be in subjection to your own husband. Uh, not, can I say this with all, and I'll begin to wrap things up here. But I do want to say that I, 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 I appreciate um, the Bible says, uh, talking about uh, those in which the Holy Ghost is made overseers, those that are over you in the Lord. And I understand uh, obeying uh, pastoral authority and leadership so long as they're in the Bible as well. Uh, but now I, I have seen some wives that are, would be more obedient to a pastor uh, than they would to their own husband. And I don't think that's right biblically. Uh, I, I think uh, the Bible doesn't tell you to go to him. It says to go to your husband, uh, not to try to go over his head, uh, to try to make him feel even worse about the situation uh, by going to the pastor behind his back. I just don't think that's right. Now, I know there's some situations you need guidance. I'm not talking about uh, those kinds of things and you need understanding or prayer or those kinds of things. But I'm saying a, a pastor can preach something and a wife would more, more likely want to obey it than when her husband her husband uh, kindly asks her uh, to obey something. And that is not right. The Bible says here, you are one with that husband. And you uh, wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, uh, not to someone else's husband. Be in subjection to your own husband. It might encourage him for you to ask him things about the Bible. Uh, it, might, it, might, it might encourage him. It might spur him to read and to get in the word of God. And uh, You never know what good it can be done. Uh, but just obey the Bible in your relationship. Look at what we go to next to be in subjection. Let me just mention quickly uh, how that Jesus committed himself. We see honor and we see humility. Uh, I won't go into these other verses here. But in subjection means to be under obedience. Uh, to submit self unto, to put under. And uh, this same word is translated, if you'll go back and read 1 Corinthians, I won't turn there uh, because we're going to have to wrap up a little bit here in a moment. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 15, 27, and talking about uh, how that uh, uh, he has subdued all things and put all things under his feet. You'd be amazed in verse 27 and 28, how many times this one word and be in subjection to uh, is being translated just in those two verses talking about God putting all things under the feet of Christ. And uh, 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 having rule and dominion and power over all of those things. And this isn't Lordship leading. We have the example. We just looked at the leadership uh, that Christ has left us an example of a shepherd. It's a suffering of a shepherd. Uh, The shepherd was in charge of everything, but he gave his life for the sheep. He submitted himself even to what was best for the sheep as the head that has the understanding to govern over all things. It has the understanding uh, to make the decisions and to govern rightly and all of those things as the head uh, has that uh, ability to do so. He was the head. The shepherd is in charge of the sheep. He uh, 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 provides for the sheep. He provides uh, security. I wrote uh, just some things down uh, here quickly. The uh, the um, husband as as the head, but Christ also protects, preserves, and provides for the body. And so, does the husband uh, to the wife and so as the husband is the head uh, over those things we have to look at the head Uh, so I'm not talking about ma'am but let me say this if I could say it quickly in passing even if that husband is leading in a manner that is not uh, according to the scriptures he's not leading you as Christ loved his church and gave himself for it it does not excuse your disobedience and your rebellion and your reviling and your threatening back to your husband. Uh, His disobedience doesn't excuse yours. And so that's why I say somebody's got to be willing to obey the Bible, to bring some peace in your home. Uh, And so we see how the shepherd left us a great example and calls attention to the wife to look unto Jesus, uh, the great shepherd of the sheep and how that he suffered so that you will suffer some things with a husband that won't obey the Bible. You are going to suffer, uh, but you're going to have to look uh, for the joy set before you and bringing him. Think about the home you could have. I wish, uh, I wish you'd talk to my wife at some point of all that she went through with me as a lost man for 10 years. Was I lost? How long? Uh, Seven years that I was lost and I put her through so much. Uh, Hopefully she won't share everything, but I put her through a lot of suffering. Uh, Having a husband that uh, you thought was saved because they repeated a prayer. If they don't have some, fruits in their life uh, it's a bad tree ma'am and I don't think I would be a part of that Uh, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, because you're going to suffer with a husband that doesn't know God. Um, but if you could talk to her, God has exceeded our expectations in our marriage. God has exceeded uh, our expectation. And can I say this, and I'm not trying to set my wife up as any kind of a, a, a anything or to, uh, draw attention to her. But I just want to say that even as a lost man, how my wife treated me changed very little. She still honored me as her husband, humbled her. Herself, allowed me to lead, never belittled me, I never one time brought up things that I did as a lost man, or uh, uh, she never belittled me or reviled me, or uh, never did anything like that. In fact, I worked for the phone company almost 20 years, and would you know, I can never recall, and my children bear witness to this, I can't recall a winter in 20 years, uh, nearly, uh, that my wife didn't wake up in the morning and uh, uh, fix my meal fix my lunch when I was taking my lunch, but she would always start my car so that I would get in a warm car in the mornings as I went to work. And you can laugh at that and think that's silly and uh, all of that. I can promise you, ma'am, I never deserved that, but I want you to know what that did to my heart, how that helped me to want to be more for her, want to love her more, want to give more of myself to her. Uh, uh, and so I, I want you to understand and see you're not winning, uh, by by reviling and threatening and and all of those things. You're never going to win him and get to the place you want to be uh, by living that way. I can attest to that. Uh, As a lost man, even as a Christian, when I've gone through rough days or rough weeks, uh, anytime my wife just gets under me and just supports me and helps me, it just encourages my heart to want to go on to love her more. And uh, uh, you'll win a husband, ma'am, a whole lot more with this kind of attitude than you ever will. Uh, by screaming and stomping and threatening and all of those things. Now, if any obey not the word, be in subjection to your own husband unless he obeys the Bible. See, this is exactly opposite of what most people are trying to say. No, it doesn't give you that exception. It says, be in uh, subjection to your own husband that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the manner of life, the conversation, the way in which you're living of the wife. And uh, verse number two, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, your pure conversation, your sincere conversation, your it's just, it's just kind of like, and I know you ladies, I, I'm sure you struggle with this, uh, especially if you have a lost husband, he wants you to probably do things with him that he enjoys doing. I know when I was a lost man, I know that, uh, um, you know, Sunday was, I worked so much. I, for me, as a lost man, just my thinking was, well, my wife doesn't care nothing about me. If She's wanting to go to church, and Sunday's the only day I've got to spend time with her, and I would have thoughts like that as, as a lost man has no understanding of spiritual thing. And, uh, and so it's a great pressure on you uh, to know what to do because your heart, you want to please him. You want to do uh, what he wants uh, you to do. And so there's great pressure there uh, for you to conform and for you to do the things that he wants for you to do. I, uh, maybe you've got a husband that um, likes to drink and things and uh, may say to you, well, I, I want you to drink with me and have fun with me and do the things that I do. Uh, and so there'll be great pressure on you, ma'am, to do those things uh, uh, with a lost husband. But I just want to encourage you uh, and, and say this as humbly as I know how uh, because I don't know how I would do it uh, or how I would be able to perform it uh, but you'll never win him if you go that route um, the Bible says the chaste conversation here uh, says that uh, this word chaste it means pure uh, you're, you're not you're not going to be able to win him by joining him in his rebellion uh, and we know that. We, we know that. We, we can't win the lost world by becoming like them. You can't save a drowning man by going and holding yourself under the water and drowning with him. Uh, you know, we know that. Uh, but you've got to do it in a manner where you're not belittling him. You've got to do it in a humble manner where you show him that you love the Lord and you just want to obey the Lord and, that, and make sure you constantly let him know you love him and support him. Uh, that helped me. I'm here to tell you, my, my wife, the way she handled me as a lost man helped win me to Christ. Um, I wanted to be the husband she deserved to have because she was such a good woman. And so I, I want to exhort you to take a different look, at, different look at that with a lost husband. Now with a saved husband that may be struggling and going through something right now, uh, the same thing, ma'am, you're not going to win him uh, by joining him, uh, By, by uh, if he's reviling you is what it just says, you're not going to win him by cussing him back, uh, yelling back at him and saying awful things, I wish I'd have never married you, and all those crazy, irrational, emotional things that if you're not careful you can get yourself into. Uh, You're not going to win him by doing that, by just remaining pure, by just remaining obedient to the Bible, by just remaining humble in your love for God and your love for him, uh, letting him know that um, you want the best for him and all of those things. And uh, that is what's going to help him when he sees your chaste conversation coupled uh, with your fear. Now again, uh, this is not I'm scared to death of what God will do to me if I don't. This is this is respect and reverence and fear. Uh, maybe talking of him, uh, but maybe uh, I think more than likely he's talking about your fear of God. Your respect and love for God has to come before your husband. It uh, has to come before your children. Your children, ma'am, don't come before your husband. Uh, your husband, the Lord comes first and then your husband. Uh, and your home will never be what it should be if you get that out of order. Uh, I know your desire to want to love your children and to be all that you can be for them. But you can't spend all your time with your children and your grandchildren and abandon your husband. Ma'am, he needs you. He needs your attention. He needs your time. Uh, he needs your support. Uh, and he needs you to be what you can be spiritually, uh, whether he knows it or not. So while they behold your chaste conversation, uh, the only hope you have to win him uh, back to the word of God is by your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. And so I'll wrap things up. I'm done preaching. I've gone too long again. I always tend to do that. I just get excited about these verses but I'll be done here and just we'll we'll move on but we'll we'll maybe go back and look at the dignity and duty of of the head of the husband um, and uh, continue to look at these verses talking about the wife and this will help you young ladies when you're when you're seeking a husband if you get him by the adorning and the plating of the hair and the gold and the apparel you'll have to keep him with the same and so that will never ever ever work and so, don't you love the Bible? I just appreciate the, every, everything you young people listen to me. Everything you get into when you get married and you get a home, every answer for your home to be what you want it to be is found right here in this Bible. Don't, I don't care what situation it is. If you'll, if you'll just get in this Bible, you can find the answers of what God wants you to do for your home. And you can just have faith and trust and know that it will work because God is faithful that promise. But now who's adorning, let it not be the hour of the plating of hair and the wearing of gold, putting on of apparel. But ma'am, let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament, listen here, and we'll come back to this, but the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of greater price. And so, I appreciate a life, I don't think there's anything spiritual about looking um, homely. I don't think there's anything spiritual about uh, looking awful, um, you know, and all of that. Um, But what God says here is that the greater price and the the sight of God for you, ma'am, in your home, uh, you can concentrate on a lot of things in your home, uh, but but, but uh, wives, ma'am, I, I want to exhort you. What I would concentrate on is a meek and a quiet spirit. Because you're doing greater damage, more than you probably know. And he may deserve to be yelled at. He may deserve to be hit with a frying pan. I deserve, my wife should have killed me long ago so she could marry somebody else again. Uh, but uh, uh, you're never, never, never going to have uh, what you should. and Your home not going to be what it should. Uh, until you can get to the place where you see that your meek and your quiet spirit will win. It don't feel as good, and, I, and I'm done rambling. But I think it's needed. I think it's very needed in our day. I, 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 um, you're you're uh, uh, having to just suffer being reproached and reviled and keeping your mouth shut uh, as Jesus did is not going to make you feel as good. Sometimes it feels a lot better, physically speaking, um, when somebody hurts you to hurt them worse. That's the flesh. Um, And I understand that tendency. I have that same tendency myself. And so I know that. But um, uh, we are going to have to submit ourselves to the Word of God and understand that a meek and a quiet spirit in your home, ma'am, is in the sight of God a greater price for you In your position, the greatest thing that God says is a greater price than anything else is a meek and a quiet spirit in your home. And um, I don't know that I can add anything to that. God said it's of a greater price, Um, he, He puts great value on a wife that has a meek and a quiet spirit because, um, anyway. So uh, we'll get to the husband and and look at that as we get on down to verse number 7. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our people. Uh, Thank you for our church. Thank you for the Bible uh, that uh, we all find our place in. Thank you for our suffering shepherd, the Lord Jesus, for leaving us such a great example. If nothing else, it just leaves us with a greater awe and love of what you've done for us and how that you were able to go through uh, what could convince a person more of a God-man that was able to walk and live the way you did and the manner in which you did. Uh, when we see ourselves incapable of, of being able to do that, even towards the people we love the most in the world. Uh, So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. Help our church continue, Lord, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. And, Lord, be with us Sunday as we come back together this Sunday morning and try again to have the drive-in church service Sunday morning. Uh, We love you. Give us wisdom. Help our pastor friends and those that are uh, making decisions uh, similar. Uh, Please help them as well. Give them wisdom. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.